salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you were asked this morning to describe your life in one word, how would you describe it? How would you summarize it? When you, when you think of your life, what is it all about? From our passage this morning, Philippians 1, verses 19 through 26, we, we know how the Apostle Paul would answer that question, don't we? He makes it very clear in verse, verse 21 where he says this, For to me to live is Christ. That's Paul's answer. That's Paul's confession. That, that's how Paul describes his life in one word, Christ. For him to live is Christ. What a confession that is. You see, what Paul means here when he says that for me to live is Christ, it, it, it means that he, he, he needs Christ. He can't live without Christ. He's, he's obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. You could even put it this way. He, he's addicted to Jesus Christ. His whole life, for me to live, his whole life is wrapped up with Christ. To Paul, to live is to be united to Christ. To be crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ and risen with him as well. To, to, for Paul to live as Christ means that, that to live is to have Christ. It's to belong to Christ. It's to know Christ. It's to rest in Christ by faith. It's to submit to Christ. It's to trust and follow Jesus Christ. It's to obey him. It's to abide in and with Christ and have Christ abiding in him. It's to rejoice in Christ. It's to proclaim Christ. It's to become more like Christ. It's to live for Christ. To live in total devotion to Jesus Christ for the glory of Christ. Paul's whole life is about Christ. His confession that for him to live is Christ means that Christ is just simply everything. To him. His, and his total allegiance is to Christ. What a confession that is. But what we need to see, beloved, is that Paul's not just describing his life here for our interest, for our information. He, he's not confessing that for him to live is Christ so that we might just say, oh, that's, that's so nice for you, Paul. No, Paul's confession, congregation, that for him to live is Christ is an, really an invitation and an encouragement and a challenge to the, to the Philippians and, and, and to all of us too to make and to live out that same confession. To confess with Paul that for me, for me to live is Christ. Here's, here's the problem. That's, that's not our confession by nature, is it? By nature, we don't want anything to do with Christ. Our confession is not for me to live as Christ. It's, it's really this, for me to live is self. By nature, we live for ourselves, for our, our own status. We live for our own reputation. We live for our own pleasure. 
We live for our own satisfaction. We live for ourselves in one way or another. Apart from the sovereign, regenerating grace of God, we don't live for Christ. We live for ourselves. Praise God, that changes. That changes when we become Christians, when we are converted. Then then it becomes true in a very real sense that for us to live is Christ. And yet it's a struggle, isn't it? Believers, God's people, Christians, they they still have to wrestle with the desires of the flesh. We still struggle with self-centeredness rather than Christ-centeredness. And we're tempted at times maybe to give up, to, to, to compromise, to go back. We're tempted to think that a life devoted to Christ, maybe, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it's not worth the persecution. Maybe it's not worth the self-denial. Maybe it's not worth the suffering. These were the kinds of struggles the Philippians were experiencing. As you read through the, the whole letter, you, you see that they were struggling with, with self-centeredness. And they were facing the threat of persecution. And, and there was a danger of, of religious leaders coming in and, and tempting them to, to, to water down the gospel. Don't make it so much about Jesus Christ. You add some of your own righteousness. And this was their situation. And, and, and now they, they had heard that Paul was in, the, the great apostle, Apostle Paul was in bonds. He was in prison. He was, he was waiting for Caesar's verdict. And, and, and what if he would die? What, what would happen then? What would that mean for the Philippian Christians? What if, what if the Romans came after them next? Is Christ really worth it? Is he worth the cost? Well, Paul's, Paul's confession here says yes. Yes. Yes, Paul's under house arrest for his preaching of Christ. Yes, he's waiting for Caesar's decision to either let him live or to put him to death because of his confession of Christ. And yet he doesn't hesitate. You see that? He's in prison. And he's facing a possible, uh, the, the possible sentence of death on him. And he doesn't hesitate. Still, he confesses, to me, to live is Christ. Christ is worth his, his whole life. And that's a, a call, an encouragement, an invitation, a challenge to us to confess with him, either for the first time this morning or, or again with renewed resolve for me to live is Christ. And so with God's help, we want to look at these, this, this passage, really this, this statement here, for me to live is Christ in light of verses 19 to 26. We want to look at this passage under the theme, confessing with Paul, that for me to live is Christ. We'll see, first of all, the confidence we can have. Secondly, the future we can look forward to. And thirdly, the blessing we can be. So first, let's consider the confidence we can have when for us to live is Christ. We see this especially in verses 19 through to the first half of 21. In verses 12 to 18, Paul's point is that the preaching of Christ matters most. We saw that, we considered that last week. That, that's what he rejoices in, he says in, in verse 18. And, and that's what he, he will rejoice in. But there's still a question maybe in our, in our minds. That how can Paul be so joyful when he's in bonds and, and when he's facing possible death? Well, Paul answers that question in, in verse 19. He, he rejoices and he will rejoice that Christ is preached for, he says... For I know that this, speaking of his situation, of his being in bonds and in his, his trial, 
this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ. And there's a lot, there's a lot packed in, into these verses, and we could probably spend several sermons just thinking about these verses. But the main point, the main point that we want to see here is, is Paul's confidence. Paul's confident. He knows that even this suffering, this trial that he's experiencing for Christ's sake, will turn out to his salvation. That, that's the confidence we can have when for us to live is Christ. When for us to live is Christ, we can be confident, congregation. We can be assured of our salvation, not because of anything in us. Not because of the strength of our commitment to Christ or the strength of our faith in Christ. No, but because of God's commitment to us, to those who are in Christ by faith. That's the ground of our confidence. Look at what Paul says, verse 18. He does not say, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through my effort or through my endurance or or even through the strength of my faith. He says, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul's confidence isn't grounded. It isn't based in himself. It's not even grounded in the Philippians. Yes, he he mentions their prayer. And there's a lesson here about the importance of of prayer. I'm not going to get into that, but maybe you can reflect on that. But, But it's not that, he's not saying here that his salvation depends on the Philippians' prayer for him per se. Rather, it depends on the fact that their prayers are prayers to God, to the same God who, as he reminded the Philippians in verse 6, would perform or would perfect, bring to completion the good work of salvation that he has begun in them. Their prayers are important. Paul mentions their prayers because they are prayers to God and and Paul knows God works through prayer in answer to prayer. The the point is that Paul's confidence is, is grounded in God. And that becomes clear with his his reference to the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's where Paul's assurance of his salvation rests. It rests in the supply, in the support, in the empowering and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul is confident of his salvation, beloved, because he knows that the same divine spirit who upheld and supported Christ in the weakness of his humanity when he was here on earth will also uphold and support Paul in his imprisonment and in his trial and his suffering until God's work of salvation is complete. That's why Paul is is so confident in the face of suffering and possible death. This This will turn out, I know, that this shall turn to my salvation. That's why he's so confident that even those things 
that he's going through will, will end, will result in his salvation because the ground of his confidence is God. He belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. That's what it means for, when you say, for me to live is Christ. It means that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And his confidence of salvation comes from the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, as we confess in Lord's Day 1, is the faithful Lord and Savior. You know, sometimes the reason Christians struggle with assurance, with confidence of their salvation, is because they're looking to themselves, or they're looking to, the, to their own strength, they're looking to their own resources. But that's the wrong place to look. Yes, we should examine ourselves. We should test ourselves to see whether we really are in the faith. Absolutely, the Bible talks about that. But when we are in the faith, when we are trusting and looking to Jesus Christ, when for us to live is Christ, we can know, you see, that all things will turn out for our salvation, not because of anything in us, but because of the love and of the faithfulness of the triune God. Because he who has begun a good work in you will perform it. He will complete it in and through his spirit. The spirit of Jesus Christ. You see the faithfulness of God coming through in this text. That's what gives us confidence. Assurance of salvation. That's what gave Paul the confidence of his salvation. And that confidence that he had was a great confidence, wasn't it? It gave him confidence, he says in verse, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing, in nothing, I shall be ashamed. That was Paul's expectation. That was his hope. And it was not an empty hope. It was, it was based on God's word. This wasn't just a, a, a dream of, of Paul, a, a wish of Paul. You, you go back to the Old Testament, you find this again and again and again. I'm just going to mention one verse here, Isaiah 45, verses 16 and 17 say this, They shall be ashamed, they shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them. They shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. They shall be ashamed. Then it says this in verse 17, But Israel, God's people, shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed. Or confounded. You shall not be ashamed. That was God's own promise to his people. And Paul knows God is faithful. God is faithful. Do we know that? Do we believe that? God is faithful. And so Paul knows that the Lord will not fail him. He will not forsake him. He will confirm. He will preserve. He will establish. He will strengthen Paul unto the end so that he may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's more, What's more, he even says, not just that in, in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. In other words, God, Paul is confident that God will, will give him the boldness he needs so that others might see and confess the greatness of Christ. By his spirit, the Lord will equip Paul with courage. He's confident that God will give him all he needs, you see, to persevere and to be faithful in magnifying Christ. You know what it means to magnify Christ, children? You ever take a magnifying glass? When you take a magnifying glass or something, it looks bigger, right? 
Well, we can't make Christ bigger. A magnifying glass doesn't make something, actually make something bigger. But it, it enlarges it so that it, it, it becomes the focus. And, 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 and that's what Paul is, is confident God will help him to do, to make Christ to be, to be the focus, to be the glory, to so others, others around would see his greatness and, their, and his glory and that they would bow the knee to him. And, and that's the confidence we can have too, you see, when our, when our lives belong to Jesus Christ. We can be confident in God that belonging to Christ, we will never, in nothing, in nothing be put to shame. We can be confident, looking to Christ, that by His Spirit, the Lord will give us the grace we need to persevere. He will give us the grace and the courage we need to be faithful to Him, so that Christ is magnified in us, whether by life or by death. Yes, we can be confident that even the most difficult things in life will turn out to our salvation. That's the confidence we can have when for us to live is Christ. What an encouragement that should be. What what an encouragement that should be to us all than to make that confession and to live out that confession with Paul by grace. What an encouragement it should be to look to Christ in faith, to surrender all to him and to submit to him because without Christ you 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 don't just have no assurance of salvation, you have no salvation. So what an encouragement an encouragement, this confidence that we see in our text should be to us all to look to Jesus and to keep looking to him every day of our lives. When for us to live is Christ, we can have confidence of our salvation, but we can also look forward. We can look forward to the future. That's our second point, the future we can look forward to when for us to live is Christ. Paul talks about this in, in verses 21 to 24. Look at what he says there. For, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, or, or this will mean the fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I, I wot, I know not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. You you catch the the, the tension here. Paul's struggling. He's looking ahead to the two possible outcomes. He, he He might be released and continue on to live, or he might be put to death. And and he's actually saying that if he could choose. He would actually struggle. He would struggle with what to choose. Should he choose life or should he choose death? Either way, he has just said Christ will be magnified. And and so they're both good. You see, when for us to live as Christ, he's saying we can look forward to the future no matter what. We can look forward to the future if we live. Why? Why does Paul look forward to the future if he lives? Not because he can live then for himself, but because then he will have more opportunities to live for Christ, to serve Christ, to glorify Christ. He'll have more opportunities to witness of Christ. He'll have have more opportunity to labor for Christ in prayer and in gospel proclamation. It's the same, beloved, for for us too. It should be. That should be what we look forward to. If, if, if 
for us to live as Christ. This is what we should be living for. doesn't mean we have to become an apostle or a pastor or a, a, a preacher. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to do that. Or a missionary. But all of us are called to labor for Christ. We see when we are Christians, then, then, then Christ becomes everything. He becomes most important. And then even in our regular jobs, whether we're at home with the kids or, or in our, in our, on the farm or wherever we are, whatever we're doing in, in the schools, our whole desire will be to serve Christ in it all. And Paul's saying, and, and we can learn here too, that when for us to live as Christ, then we'll have more opportunity than to see fruit from that labor for Christ. Because God has promised, you see, God has promised that his gospel word will bear fruit, that it will not return to him void. He has promised, as we read in Psalm 126 or 127, he who goes forth and weeps, bearing and sowing the precious seed, the seed of the gospel, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Living on in the flesh then means, means getting to see how God is working. How God is working through your prayers and through your gospel witness, as well as the gospel witness of, of those around you, of others to, to establish his kingdom in the world, to build his church, to, to, to strengthen his church, to bring sinners to himself and to, to sanctify his people and, and bring them together and, and unite them together more and more and to conform them to the image of Jesus Christ. Living on in the flesh for all those to, for whom to live as Christ means getting to see God bringing more and more people to confess and worship his beloved Son as their Savior and Lord. What a future that is if we live. How much encouragement that should give us to hold fast then. Our confession of Jesus Christ, it's not an empty profession, an empty confession. It's not useless. No, because God is, is bringing, He is working, the gospel is real, and God is working to bring sinners to Himself, and He will keep going, He will be faithful until the end, when He brings His people home to be with Him. How much encouragement this future then should give us to hold fast and to be bold witness of Jesus Christ, bold witnesses of him in our day. How much encouragement this should give us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. But if I live in the flesh, this is, this will be, this will mean the fruit, the fruit of my labor. We love to see fruit from our labor, don't we? I was talking with somebody just the other day, a farmer, and he's just saying that one of the blessings of, of, of farming is you can see the fruit of your, your labor. And that, that's what Paul's talking about here, spiritually speaking. That's the future Paul sees. If he, he lives on in the flesh, he sees fruit from his labor, everlasting fruit, because he has the promise of God in his word, and, and so do we, beloved. When for us to live is Christ, we have a future. This church has a future that we can look forward to. How different that is, though, from those who are living, who are living for themselves. Maybe, maybe we think sometimes that living for ourselves is better. But God's Word 
God's Word says in Ecclesiastes over and over again in one way or another, all the works that are done under the sun is vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, it's not that our earthly work, our earthly jobs don't, don't matter, that they're useless. That's not what it's saying, but it's saying don't, they don't have lasting value. There's no, there's no lasting fruit. If that's all we're living for, if all we're living for is living to satisfy and please ourselves, how often we forget that, don't we? How easily we can live for ourselves instead of for Christ. Maybe that describes you to hear this morning. You're living for yourself. You're living for your career, for your advancement, for your own satisfaction, for your own kingdom. But you see, there's really no future to look forward to in that. Whatever satisfaction you might get from that now, it's passing. It doesn't last. But when for you to live as Christ, then you have a future that you can look forward to. Also in life, you will have fruit you'll, you could, because you'll be living to serve Christ. And the text here is saying there's, there's, there's fruit to that labor. In whatever way you serve him whether it's through your prayers, whether it's through your support, whether it's, 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 it's through your witness at work. Let us not live for ourselves. How empty that is. But let us live for Christ. But maybe you say, well, that, that's great, but what's the point if you're going to die anyway? That's a good question. And Paul answers that here in these verses. You notice what he said in verse 21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What? How can that be? To die is gain? How can it be gain for Paul to die? Well, he explains. You keep reading. But if I live in the flesh, this will mean the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I know not, for I am a in a strait betwixt two. He's hard-pressed between the two. And then notice this. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Which is far better. There it is. There it is. That's why death is gain to Paul. Because it means that he, not, not his body immediately, but, but his, his soul, his conscious self will be with Christ the one to whom he belongs, the, the one whom he says in, in, at one point in the book of Acts, uh, whose he is and whom he serves. And as wonderful as it is to serve Christ here below, and, and we have the promise of his presence by his spirit here below, but it's far better. Literally, the, the text says it's, it's much better by far, or far, far better to be with him where he is. The point is that when for us to live is Christ, the future we can look forward to is not just fruitful labor if we live, but also life with Christ, everlasting life with Christ if we die. Do you have that hope? What a blessed future that is to look forward to, to be with Christ. Of all the things, beloved, that believers have to look forward to in heaven, and there's many, you know, you think of suffering, suffering will be over. Think of the suffering you've experienced in your life. If you're in Christ, if you belong to him, it'll be over. It'll be done. 
Sin, sin will be gone forever. The fight against self and sin will be over. We'll be perfect. Our, our, joy, our joy will be perfect. Oh, and then, of course, there's loved ones in Christ that we would see in, in heaven, but, 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 but that's not what Paul focuses on. No, what, what makes heaven so great is this. I'll be with Christ. That is far, far better. Yes, that is best for me. Faith will be sight and we'll see Christ. We'll see him. Oh, now we, now we long to see him, don't we? We long to see his glory. We come to church and we pray, Lord, show me your glory. And sometimes he gives us glimpses of it and it feels like heaven on earth, but, but, but it's not heaven. It, it comes and goes, and, but then we'll see his glory and, and we'll see it forever. And we'll worship him and we'll serve him perfectly forever. That's what makes heaven so wonderful. It's that we'll be with Christ. You see, and I, Paul sees that, and it's no wonder then, it's no wonder then that he struggled to know if, if he could choose between life and between death, what would he choose? To be with Christ is far better. How different that is from those who are living to themselves. What do they have to look forward to when they die? What do you have to look forward to when you die? Dear unbeliever. Yes, you too then will meet Christ. But you'll meet him in judgment and you'll hear those awful words that Jesus himself says in the Gospels, I do not know you. Depart. Depart from me, ye cursed. Into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. O congregation, don't let that be your future. How bright the future is for all who confess with Paul. For me to live is Christ. Is that your confession? Not just the confession of your mouth, but also of your life. For me to live is Christ. How good it is in this light, because this can be a struggle, can't it? Even as Christians. But how good it is in this light just to reflect on some of the verses of that poem by missionary C.T. Studd entitled, Only One Life. I just want to read three verses. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or for his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Christ is worth it all. But one last thing to note from our text. We've considered the confidence we can have confessing with Paul that for me to live is Christ. And we've also considered the future we can look forward to. But, but now lastly notice the blessing we can be. In verses 21 to 23, Paul's been talking about the, his struggle. His struggle, what, what will he choose if he could? Life or, or death? Even though life would mean fruit from his labor, death, he says, would be better for him because then he would be with Christ. But then in verse 24, he says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful 
for you. You see, Paul here, he's, he's somebody who, for him to live is Christ, and he's, so he's concerned not about himself. He's concerned about the, the Philippians. And then he says this, and having this confidence, confidence that it is better for them if he lives, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Now, we may have a lot of questions here. How does Paul know that he's, going to, he's going to, not going to die? How does he know that he's going to abide and, and continue with them? I, I don't know. But what's important to notice, what I'd like you to focus on with me, is what Paul says is the purpose of his abiding and his continuing with them. It's not to enjoy himself. It's to be a blessing to them. It's to be a means of helping others in their faith. Paul says, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. That's why, that's why Paul will live if he, if he is released and if he lives. He'll live to be a means in God's hand to help the Philippians grow spiritually, to grow, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to grow in their faith, to increase their joy in their faith. For Paul to live was Christ, you see. And that's what enabled him to be a means of helping others in their faith, to be a blessing. And so it is with us when, when for us to live is Christ. You see, then when you belong to Jesus Christ, you're freed. You're set free from slavery to self. And you can focus then on being a blessing to others because you're not worried about yourself. <laughs> I'm in the, the Lord's hands. And as long as I live, I'm going to live to bless others. I'm going to live seeking to bless them by, by helping them in their faith. Maybe you know people like that in your own life, people who seem always to be helping and encouraging others in their faith. What, what a blessing it is to have, have such people. Imagine if all of us were like that. You see, the reason, the reason we can help others if we are Christians is because our life is hidden and safe, as we read in Colossians, it's hidden with Christ in God. It's safe with Christ in God. And then for us to live as Christ, not, not ourselves. That, that's what enables us to be a means of helping others in their faith. And the result of that is, is that we become a means, by grace, of helping others glory more and more in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul speaks about. In the last verse, he speaks about his coming to them and, and helping them in their faith, resulting in so that, so that, that your rejoicing may abound. Your glorying, your boasting, literally, may abound in Jesus Christ. And that's the point, beloved. When for us to live is Christ, we can be a means of, of helping others to glory in him too. That's the blessing we can be. Are you that kind of blessing to others? Am I? Perhaps you have to confess that you fall short. 
then let that grieve you. After all, we were made to love God above all and love our neighbor as ourselves, not to live for ourselves. So if we have to admit that we have not been the blessing we should be, beloved, then let us confess that to God. Let us repent of it. Let us seek forgiveness through Christ's blood and shed on the cross. And let us turn and seek the Lord's help to be the blessing he calls us to be so that we would be a means of helping others in the faith, in their faith in Christ and in their glorying in Christ. And let us make and live out by grace Paul's confession, for me to live is Christ. It's the only way to live. It's the best way to live. When that is our confession by grace, then we can have confidence of our salvation. We can have a future to look forward to and we can be a blessing. We can be a blessing to others. May God help us all to say and to live out Paul's confession. For me to live is Christ. He is worth it all. Amen.